Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast. I'm Adam Vass, a tabletop game designer in Glendale, California. I'm Williams, a tabletop game designer in Boston, Massachusetts, America. Adam, three times, count them, three One, times, two, Kickstarter three. champion. Boo, boo, boo. Pew, 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 pew. Cobwebs yes. funded. Cobwebs funded. Project funded. <laughs> in my personal record time, it was like 13, 14 hours or something. Uh, Holy cow. And I'm so relieved. Uh, one, because I don't have to fight every day for begging for money. <laughs> but but two, you're, just because like now I get to focus on all the f- the fun things I like about it, and not just like its monetary value. Yeah, you're uh, no longer trying to justify that the project should exist. Right. We we went through that so deeply with the with the brain trust. <laughs> <laughs> for weeks look at We're us still now coping <laughs> yeah i i live in a post uh, I, there are two wills one from before august 2019 and one from after yeah what a what a time to barely be alive oh my god anyway like i just am glad that uh you know i looked into the void and, and nothing looked back there's actually nothing down there and you <laughs> got to go hang it it's the green realm the green void <laughs> I think that's going to be one of the scenarios that I write. So, because one of the <laughs> one of the pledge tiers was for custom scenarios, and I'm so I'm just like brainstorming now. I have a notes app in my phone. I almost don't even want to say, but there's some of them are so good. I have to like black metal yeah. kidnapping is the top of my list. Wow. Um. So I I just come up with a pitch like that, and then I write a scenario for cobwebs, and there's 25 of them that I'm going to do for the people who paid extra money for unique ones. Um, and they can choose to like share them or not, but I'm some of them excite me so much that I'm going to like include a note or something that says like, Hey, can I post this? It's really fucking good. Uh, right. Well, I mean, yeah, you should just make it into like a, here's a pack that everybody gets like, yeah, I, I don't want to like change it. Cause I did present it as like, this is for you and you can do it with it what you want so i wouldn't want to true pull the rug out from anybody but i also really hope and i think most people who chose it will be down for the cause of sharing those and having them be extra uh, available for more people yeah and you can get paid for your work that's always great yeah <laughs> anyway we are uh, on the precipice we are uh, hurtling in a spacecraft toward the black hole the green hole the green realm that is zine quest kickstarter adam was talking about uh surfing through the um approved projects and he saw almost 30 on there so yeah there's a lot um and what's cool is this sort of happened it, it definitely happened last year too but i'm already noticing like a lot of first-time creators coming to kickstarter i think that's like that one of the perks of a uh an event that is (laughs) a a barbed wire fence of discussion and discourse um but one of one of its real perks is like it brings people who've never had the uh confidence or means of trying it to try it and and reach a larger audience so there's quite a few in there that I'm excited to check out from people I don't know and haven't interacted with, but I see that, 
you know, it's a first time creator and they're doing something interesting or novel and like, hell yeah, that's what, that's what this should be a, a major focus of, especially for, um, people who are there to back things like just, just go out on some limbs, try some yeah. weird shit. Yeah. Let people help people make the thing that they want to make. Yeah. Uh, I wrote some down. I can, uh, discuss very brief some of them i don't know shit about but i was just like oh cool it looks cool and i wrote down the title i can i'll check the uh the thing too sure so uh one of them that i was excited about and all i know is the graphic from it it's just called the company by logan dean who is a first time kickstarter creator uh and it just says it is corporate survival horror and the graphic was okay. just like black sans serif font, all caps with a white background, no texture, no image. And uh, I looked and I saw that they made a Twitter account like on behalf of the game. Uh, and it speaks as if it's like corporate jargon, like it's speaking to employees. And uh, that sounds cool and different. I There's a lot of fantasy stuff and a lot of sort of uh, supplements for games like DCC and like bigger uh, industry shit. So anything like this that's outside of the box uh, is I'm coming for no matter what. Like that's hell. Yeah, that could be anything. It also sort of reminds me of like a more adult and minimum rage, which is a game that I did that sort of didn't do terribly well, but I always liked the concept of, uh, Mm -hmm just like work and horror and where they intersect and it's it could be really fun so the company by logan dean i and i should say too on the uh upcoming projects page of kickstarter it doesn't say what date that they are coming so just be on the lookout um kickstarter still doesn't let you automatically launch your project you have to manually push a button at the time that you want so i think they can't propose a date in case that they miss it or something yeah and it's a genius bit of game design because then it's ultimately your fault (laughs) you're in complete control and if you fail it was because you pushed the wrong button at the wrong time (laughs) you did it to your goddamn self (laughs) obviously i'm excited for every zine that uh brain trust members are doing um did i wrote down a couple and i'm worried that i'm gonna leave somebody out and so that's why i started with a full unknown (laughs) because <laughs> I would feel really bad if I was like, here's all of the brain trustees who have projects, and then like I missed two of them. Uh, well, Jason's project, Jason Brown's Our Queen, Queen Crumbles, uh, that looks amazing. Uh, he's been posting art in the Discord, and it is just uh, too fucking good. Yeah, I uh, full di- full disclosure, I'm working on that, doing some graphic design, and just helping Jason uh, behind the scenes with getting things together and uh, arranging the people who he's working with and that sort of thing. Um, and also I didn't realize what a tongue twister the name was. Cause I only ever seen it in text. Our queen, crumbles, our, our queen, queen crumbles, crumbles, our queen crumbles, uh, red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> uh, you need our queen crumbles. You want our queen crumbles. You know, you need unique zines. Uh, anyway, uh, that's looking super good. We have um, Tyler Crumrine, brain trustee, coming through with beak, feather, oh, yeah. and bone, 
which looks oh, super that cool. Cover. That freaking cover, dude. I know. <laughs> that freaking cover, dude. <laughs> I, I know a lot of the gang listens to the show, obviously, and I don't know who outside of the gang still listens to us. I hope it's people, but maybe not, and maybe whatever. Uh, Tyler is one of the most like creative game designers, and I feel like he doesn't really put his self out there that much because he also primarily he does like editing and stuff so he's one of those people who always puts other people's work uh and like helps other people which is great but uh to some extent i think he sells himself short on like how really good of a designer he is and like how creative some of his stuff is that uh i i want to be his champion uh and (laughs) In turn, because he's done so much to help, like he's he's edited all the uh, Kickstarter stuff that I've done in the past, and is working on cobwebs. But um, yeah, he 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 puts good stuff out like on a regular basis. Hell yeah! Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that one, and it's a another like unique weird thing. It's a map labeling game, uh, and we'll all find out what that means together. Uh, we also have Viditia Valetti's uh, Goblin wor- World. Space Goblins? Space Goblins. Viditia's Space <laughs> Goblins. Uh, I didn't write that one down. I would have missed it, and that's one I'm looking forward to. So, see that? Teamwork. Brain trust is the brain trust. Yeah, brain trust is brain trusting your brains, the brains of our friends. Also, um, board Boston board game member Eli uh, is doing two Kickstarters. Um, the Fruit of Law, which is a game that you play with a pomegranate, and the last place on Earth is a double, uh, two double feature game about Antarctic exploration. Both of those sound truly wild. I have the pomegranate yeah. one saved, so I can get a reminder when it launches um because that's such a out there concept uh the other one sounds great is so cool yeah uh like he and a collaborator Kristen, um they both are working on a dance larp that uh they will just like bring their playtest feedback from actual dancers playing with like big dancing groups of like how non-gamers and dancers like react to the larp and it's just so cool that's wild uh, we're we're 100 missing other people i in, know in bt um this is not part of zine quest but it is a trusty project the make 100 hand signals zine from sam mendez oh yeah uh, that's so good i looks really great i'm yeah. a backer yeah i'm a backer <laughs> as well um i'm backer <laughs> i have that as i have my notes uh sorted by like category of like last year's zines upcoming zines comics and illustration uh not games which is actually an unfortunately short list of mine um and i'm like hopping all over the place right now just making sure that everybody gets talked about um so i saw someone post I saw the designer post that this was coming to ZineQuest, and then I haven't seen anything about it in a couple weeks. And so I actually am not even sure if it's happening. (laughs) But the treasure at the end of this dungeon is an escape from this dungeon, and we will never escape from this dungeon from Riverhouse Games. uh, Allegedly, is coming to ZineQuest. That was an itch game that I 
downloaded and printed my own zine of that I happen to actually just have on my desk. And it's like a really interesting, uh, like psychedelic dungeon crawling weird game uh, that I'm looking forward to. I hope, I hope there is a print edition of it. I think it's a really great game. Uh, it's trippy. It's trippy for sure. What, what is it? So it is like a GMless dungeon crawler. Everyone's playing an archetype, like a traditional fantasy archetype. And you go through like a, I think it's a five room dungeon, like a standard dungeon. But every time you go into a room, there's like different rules for like how you establish what is inside that room and uh, how you then like interact with the space. And each class also has its own particular rules and they're very lyrical and like it's not a statty game it's a very artsy kind of dungeon crawler mm. which is you know um a different take on the on the genre and there's a we love to see it there's a few things in the itch version that uh i hope get refined a little bit in the final or in the print edition um and it's mostly just like how do you get going that I think is a little bit difficult in the text as it is, but just reading the playbooks, reading the how the room, each style of room works, and the different rules mm. for each thing is like really cool. And uh, when I I met Taylor at Big Bad last year and was talking about it briefly, uh, he asked that I get really high and try it because <laughs> that was like the intended play experience <laughs> and I, I haven't yet but i aspire to well i'll, I'll be in your area in february yeah. <laughs> so that sounds fun cool yes uh something i just saw is amanda lee uh franks you got a job on the garbage barge i'm gonna give that give that one a full read uh <laughs> amanda lee franks you got a job on the garbage barge and um, she is an illustrator and designer and writer, and uh, I've never um, seen her work before, uh, before this, and it just looks so good. This is, like, something I loved funding for last year's Zine Quest, and what makes really uh, good projects for me is something where an artist slash writer is just giving you a setting. Like, I love zines that are settings. Um, like uh Casketland was one of these that I just like instantly backed. Um, yeah. I ha I have Casketland on my list of last year's highlights. Yeah. So this this looks just just delicious and the name is You Got a Job on the Garbage Barge, which is a billion percent the kind of game I'd make. <laughs> yeah, maybe I can't I will. I can't picture you not backing something with that title. <laughs> maybe uh their illustrations are so good. I should um one billion percent hire them or work on a project with them anyway uh whatever another first time creator coming to zine quest uh is sean ellis who's bringing a project called game spice and uh, one i like any game that has the word game in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we of course are part of the game workshop here so <laughs> Um, but it, it says it's a, a collection of mini games and challenges. Uh, and I've been like thinking about, I, I texted the other day to say I had ideas for brain trust too. Um, mm. 
Oh my god, yeah. Sorry, I didn't even look at those. I I I didn't elaborate. I was just like they're in my brain. Um but compilation I I I did a little bit of this with Tome, my zine from Zine Quest last year, where it's like you can plug this mini game into your regular game uh for whatever function. Like I I remember I have like a social conflict, like how to how to quantify an argument that you would have with another player and use dice. Mm. Um, which I think in hindsight I could have used in my like four year long D and D campaign where me and another player like got into it quite often, uh, <laughs> and had to afterwards be like, Hey, we're cool. Right. Like this was all in the game. Right. <laughs> and it always was, but you know, gotta be, you gotta know, um, having a quantifiable measurable, like anyway, uh, game spice. I think we'll have stuff like that, like little, like mini games that you can plug into bigger games. Uh, and that's really appealing and interesting to me. I also, uh, I'll just say it. One of the ideas I had for brain trust two was WarioWare RPG. So like a lot, it, it's like a fire brands on like speed. Yeah. Uh, sugar fire brands plus pixie stick. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Rapid fire role play. Oh man, that's such a good tagline. Can you uh can you write that down and everyone listening, can you uh <laughs> yeah, close acknowledge your ears. that we we have just sent a sealed letter to ourselves. <laughs> By the time this episode drops, Brain Trust True Colon Rapid Fire Roleplay. Shit, Adam, that is so good. I that wish down. that that was something I I mean, that was off the dome right now. You got Rapid a, fire roleplay. You got a, I was about to say you got a smooth dome getting stuff off of there. <laughs> That's actually not. <laughs> My brain doesn't have any curves. It's just you'd pluck all the stuff right off the top. Uh, I believe in flat brain theory. <laughs> uh, the last one I want to talk about coming to ZineQuest is Barrow Keep by Richard Rune or Ruane. I've never said their name, unfortunately. Uh, Until now. Till now, and I probably did it wrong twice. But Barrel Keep, I mentioned maybe once before I played it during Gauntlet Con in the fall, and I signed up for it thinking it was a haunted house game, and it turned out to be a Game of Thrones game. And so during setup, I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Like, what am I doing here? And <laughs> how am I gonna, like, I don't wanna bum anybody out. I think we were already maybe down one player. I'm like, I'm not gonna leave. I also went very conservative. I think it was maybe the only game I ended up playing at Gauntlet Con this year because uh-huh. uh, I had to cancel some other things. So I, didn't, I really didn't want to cancel, even though Game of Thrones, not quite my shit. And then I played the game, and I was like, holy cow, this is really good and interesting. And um, the designer was our, our game master and also likened it more to like CW-style like young adult drama. Mm-hmm. And it's built on this system of Troika where you have backgrounds and uh, the initiative system that's very um, strange and unique in, in Troika. And it worked so incredibly well for like episodic TV where Ooh. you pull these tokens to see whose turn it is. And while you're like in role play picturing the events in your mind, it does like hard camera cuts between simultaneous action that I think is so extremely well done and i i also think part of it was the game master's skill at threading all these things together but i was like really blown away 
with how good this game was and i wasn't even like the target for this game right like i'm not a game of thrones freak i'm not a huge like young adult fiction fan and i had like a great time yeah you're like what do y'all mean chaos is a ladder <laughs> what the what the heck <laughs> so i i'm gonna get that scene i i think it might be uh an abbreviated form or maybe not the final form of the game but i was like yeah like i said i i went in not really super pleased and came out like very very happy with how it went and how it works so uh that's that's my one fantasy allotment for sure <laughs> on on zine quest is this this uh, one I think crosses I've, my shield i've got a crosses my shield wow <laughs> um damn i have a couple if it pommel strikes you i've got a couple uh that i found that i think um you definitely will back uh we got um artifact a solo rpg zine by yep. uh jack harrison artifact seems really cool you make a magical item and this is like a game idea i've had forever that you tell the story of the item through many people um that one's gonna be awesome i'm just rapid firing them uh we got riley Rethel's venture in dungeon uh that's gonna be just amazing i don't know if that's straight up zine quest or it's a full book um but I know they're doing it with uh, J Dragon, I believe. Yes. I think that launches today, actually, the day of recording. Ooh, okay. Um, can't wait to back it. Uh, additionally, uh, additionally? <laughs> additionally, um, I'm sorry, did you say Street Magic by Caro? Uh, I got to meet them online. We played a, a playtest game on Discord uh, a month or two ago, and they were they were super kind, and I didn't realize in the moment, because it was sort of just like a random squad of people I didn't know um, to test this thing, uh, that they were a game designer also, so I've gone through after and, and seen their portfolio. Yeah, everything you're listing is things that are on my list yeah. that I will be backing. Caro Acer Sion. Great. Uh, next is Blake M. Stone's Dish Pit Witches. Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's a small RPG zine about gay witches who work in a restaurant based on tunnel goons. Uh, Blake's work is extremely good and inspires me every single day. Um, so, yeah, definitely go ahead and back that one. It also has a pentagram involved. And uh, have you been listening to the fucking podcast? <laughs> um, and uh, not last but not least, second to last but not least, is Lively Gold Safe and Sound, a tabletop RPG zine. Uh, and it's just about fantasy hideouts for adventuring parties and home bases and base building. It's my favorite part about role playing is seeing characters hang out in down moments. I love coming back to the spaceship and just talking to people. So um, that'll be really cool. And they're from DC. Hello. Hello, my ancestral land. Uh, <laughs> finally, Libby uh, Horakek's Derby Drama, which is a tabletop role-playing game about the drama and excitement of skating in a roller derby bout. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So, I had I had a failed roller derby card game from a year or two ago that I never visited again. Uh, I like went to a, a derby bout with some friends and then the next day i was like how do i how do i gamify this it wasn't mm -hmm. role-playing it was before mm -hmm. it was my before times uh so it was a we competitive card times. thing and i just gave up on it because that wasn't that's not just how my brain works anymore <laughs> 
Isn't it weird when uh, you want to start doing something like a, a good example is like coming up with ideas for games is that you just like put like, you know, 80% of brain effort for like a month doing it. And then now you then you just have no problem coming up with new ideas because, <laughs> yeah, I got that feeling uh, yesterday with like, I like want to write a novel. I want to like write some novels and I was like, oh, I don't like have any novel linked ideas. And I was like, if I just think about it for long enough, I'll have uh, too many. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> I used to like, when I first got on Twitter, I was like, how am I going to have ideas for good tweets? <laughs> and, <laughs> and look at you now. Still haven't figured it out. So, <laughs> uh, I well, think that's um, something I want to write about in the brain trust deluxe brain modification zine. <laughs> An archival history of ego death. Yeah, it's it'll be really good. Uh, look for that. We should, uh, yeah, you know, we'll give it to all the backers, but then sell it for like forty bucks. <laughs> like this scene of secrets. Anyway, well, we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk a little bit about, um, like maybe some more zines, maybe some game identity stuff, or the most recent guide playtest. Yeah, all of it is coming coming at you at some point. Coming at you. I got lost in the woods earlier. Can I? Have you seen Frozen 2? No. There's a very good song. My favorite song. My favorite moment what in the it? film that's called Lost Whoa. in the Woods. Uh, that Kristoff uh, sings. Kristoff is back? I thought he got killed in Frozen 1. No, that's Hans of the Southern Isles. And he's not necessarily <laughs> dead. He's just uh, gone away. Uh, he died, Adam. I'm Christoph. sorry. <laughs> Christoph. Well, I don't care if he died. He's a piece of shit. Christoph I saw on is Facebook the, is the that reindeer Hans man. died. Is who? <laughs> The reindeer man, the guy who like has a reindeer and oh, yeah, he like talks for it on its behalf. Anyway, Lost in the Woods is a bop. Is he in love as an open door? Is that guy or is that no? Hans? That's Hans. Is Kristoff in Frozen One? Yeah, he sings "Reindeer Are Better Than People," and that's the only song he sings, and it's one minute long. Oh, right when they are in the cabin. Uh, yes, yes. When they go, he the goes cabin. on the quest with Anna and Olaf, but uh. He's like the that voice actor is actually like a Broadway performer, and they were like, "Isn't it hilarious that we didn't have him sing in the first one?" <laughs> and so well, in the it's, second it's one, like, they give him an extreme song. Nice. Well, it's all written by like Broadway people, so it's probably just like a cool gig that you could toss. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think it was a slight. I think because I remember listening to like the music writer commentary on the soundtrack. <laughs> And they were like, mm -hmm. we didn't do it on purpose, but we thought it afterwards that it was very funny that maybe the one person who is the most trained and qualified to sing in a musical only sings for 30 seconds. <laughs> if you got a Frozen tattoo, what would it be of? Uh, Olaf, probably the snowman. Yeah, I have, an, I have a little Olaf. <laughs> I have a little Olaf action figure that's staring at me as we record right now on my little toy Aww. shelf. <laughs> Big fan, what, big fan. What cold things anyway. do in the summer. 
when Will is lost in the woods, it's a different story. <laughs> so these were the woods that I wrote Black Mass in. Uh, and me and the other Adam in my life uh, got a bagel and started walking around. I showed him these cool ruins in Franklin Park that they had this fog exhibit at once, and you could just go look like you're in a f- fucking fantasy movie. A fog we heard exhibit. This- yeah, it was called like Fog X Flow, and they took spaces around Boston, including um, Jamaica Pond and a couple places. I think one was in the Fens, too, where they had these uh, huge fog machines, and they just at regular intervals just dumped out fog into a place. And you, you could go take your cosplay photos or go get yourself freaked out <laughs> in the fog. <laughs> um, it's really cool. But there's, there are these ruins over by Franklin Zoo. Um, that you could just go hang out. I heard this horrible noise. Uh, it sounded like vinyl uh, coverings, like squishing and scraping together, like this terrible balloon sound. Like, you know, when you just t- tweak a balloon. Oh, yeah. Uh, it makes my teeth hurt. Yeah. It sounded like uh, an army of those <laughs> while we were just in the woods and we started investigating the noise, and there's this big stadium. Uh, it's like this big concrete New Deal kind of stadium in Franklin Park called like Schoolboys St- White Stadium, Schoolboys Stadium or something. And we could still hear the noise, but not see anything through the fences. But there's a lot of concrete, so we walk all the way around, and uh, the noise is actually quite scary. And so as we're like walking by, it seems like it's coming from above the clouds because there's full cloud cover. And I was like, I'm gonna die. This is the color out of space. Like this is a problem right now. <laughs> I'm freaked. As we get to the gates and climb up uh, these big raw iron gates that you can't get across, and three people were doing like. First of all, what do you think it is? I, I kind of already spoiled it a little bit, but what do you think it is? It sounded like an army of monkeys. Birds? I have no idea. Is I thought it, it was in birds nature? Too. It's full of nature? Yeah, uh, but the stadium is not, and it seemed to be coming from there or beyond. I thought mm. it was a zoo. We thought or it was beyond. like mo- fucking monkeys or something. Or and I was with uh, the uh, other Adam, and he was like, yeah, I've heard this sound once before, and it sounded like someone was, like, fucking up a dog or something. And uh, he just, like, ran away when he heard it. Uh, he was, like, running somewhere in the south. Um, and then we got on this wrought iron gate and looked out, and it was three people running drone stunts <laughs> with, like, full <laughs> VR headsets on, uh, just, and, like, a stunt course. And it sounded like the end of the world when these drones were, like, zooming across the sky <laughs> doing strafing runs. And I just straight up watched it for, like, 45 minutes because it was, uh, although it was amazing, it is, like, an extremely scary noise. Like, it sounds like someone's ripping atmosphere. <laughs> I have That's no pictures sh- or anything because my extreme. phone died. Yeah, and then we just snuck on and just laid down in the grass and watched it for a while, so I'm pretty blissed out over here. <laughs> uh, for for the listener, Adam and I accidentally had a beautiful idea, and we talked about it for, no joke, 30 minutes in between yeah. <laughs> the last segment <laughs> of this one. I was like, wow, we're almost <laughs> done. It's been an hour of talking, but the, the show's only like 20 minutes right now. Uh, so fucked up. Anyway. um. Yeah, I I love walking through the woods and coming up with game ideas. And uh, speaking of like, you know, me wanting to write novels, I just was like, oh, this is a good short story. Like, I simply just replaced the drones with something 
terrible that we are looking at. Like, because every moment before was like perfect atmospheric creepiness. I mean, I feel like drones are not inherently not creepy either. Like, Uh, yeah, I mean, the changes don't have to be dramatic. Yeah. And it was. Oh, my God, it was wild. Like. These were, you know, like the pro drone obstacle courses and races and stuff. Yeah, shit, it's really weird to me. Yeah, it was like that. I mean, it was like extremely expensive equipment. And there were three of them going at once. Like, I've heard in a lot of, like, uh, harsh noise music, the sound of two drones flying through the air. But three was like a a polyphony, like, unlike anything I've ever heard. (laughs) Like, because it was coming in space in different ways. Because it was just, like, reflecting weirdly in the air. And... Oh, it was just, like, truly weird. Damn. Yeah. I feel like I don't get that here, because I'm too in the city. Like, weird shit happens, but I feel like I always just brush it off as, sit, like, city freaks. You gotta have that's sort of disappointing. Someone, someone who will, like, dare you to go a little bit further. <laughs> like, that kind of, like, brother energy to, like, get a little bit closer (laughs) like we we like snuck through a fence to get in the stadium and like almost didn't fit and like (laughs) just like pushing you a little bit further i love i miss that that was definitely like my first year of touring was like what kind of shit can we get into at four in the morning (laughs) yeah because there's always something and i don't know just talking to people and doing that I wish that kind of stuff happened at conventions more. That'd be cool yeah. to do with game friends. I know that I, uh, the designers of Unknown Armies would go to Gen Con, uh, Dennis Detweiler and uh, uh, Greg Stoltze. And, uh, uh, D- Detweiler didn't work on that. It was actually John Scott Tynes. And they would go to abandoned buildings in Indianapolis during the convention just to go get freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> like, walk around and get inspired by their game and i really like that um kind of experientially uh, uh motivated design you can tell when someone is writing about uh, their own experiences vis-a-vis game design so part of black mass was just you know walking in the woods and freaking myself out i feel like that comes into the text in indirect ways for sure like it yeah like just reading how the game works feels like un uneasy in the woods <laughs> <laughs> that is the highest compliment i've ever received so thank you <laughs> hard hard to make rules sound uneasy anyway um you are currently working on uh, which thing do you want to talk about rather before i cue something up uh so I'm toying with the idea of still participating in Zine Quest myself. Brave, <laughs> and brave. I mean, I, you funded. I quietly whispered it in like the most private channel of our Discord to to see how it felt to say. Because <laughs> I didn't want to like post on Twitter thinking about doing a, a Zine Quest. Because then I either have to do it or I don't do it, and someone's like, "Hey, man, what happened?" Um, God, it's, people remember that too. Right, the thing that I think will just go under the radar is somehow something 
a person pays attention to and I'm beholden to. Anyway. It is wild that the direct, like, uh, if you say a plan that you have, it's more likely that you won't do it. Uh, yeah. There's, like, I've, some I've data seen, out there. I saw that recently, too, and I felt that way with the frequency, uh, that record collection game I did, because I kept saying, like, oh, it's coming out next week, and I'd be like, I don't want to fucking... <laughs> I don't want to publish this right now. Uh... <laughs> But I said that I would, and then every day of that week, I was like, I need to do like four hours worth of work, and it'll be done. But I just don't have it in me today, and then maybe tomorrow, and then maybe tomorrow. And I got it done, but then by the end, I was, and I, I, I think it's an interesting game, and it's, uh, the print edition is shipping to me right now, which is exciting, because it's the yeah. first risograph thing I did. But, yeah, definitely, like, being public about it made me antagonistic with the design and definitely if i just made it like every other thing i do for itch because this wasn't something it wasn't like a bigger release or a kickstarter or anything like that like it was for a game jam so i wasn't i shouldn't have put that pressure on it but then i did and it made me kind of angry just to be working on it at any time it felt like i was needing to do something instead of wanting to yeah it's not a good feeling yeah and when i like tweet about game design stuff i either try and just have the full thing or if it's a play test i will just talk about like cool narrative bits of the play test instead of like any physical shit with the game maybe a picture but yeah yeah it's weird some people really thrive off that pressure um of talking about it I feel like in the past I have, and that's sort of like a tactic I use once in a while to sort of encourage myself or I guess like motivate uh, is to be like publicly accountable. Yeah. But yeah, it's a double-edged sword for sure. Um, Yeah, sometimes sometimes you'll just have bad days. Yeah, and that's creativity in general. I I find any kind of work that I need to do uh, suffers from that sometimes you just don't feel like it or sometimes it just doesn't work. But, uh, so I'm working on this project and I think it's good. I think it would be fun. I think it stands out in the, the field of scene quest. And also just like, I could easily do it by myself, which is also sort of a a mandatory function for me right now is like anything, uh, beyond cobwebs for the next like four months has to just be something I can knock out and have like a pretty low budget and Mm -hmm. not, not rely on other people or, uh, put too much into time or money or whatever. So, uh, but I wondered, so the game is sort of like a little rascals, Charlie Brown, uh, like play as kids in reality because so many play as kids games are stranger things or kids on bikes. Um, and I just wanted, I, I think something that I, I tote about babes in the wood often is that it's super fun to be a kid, solve problems in kid ways. And I think mm-hmm. that's sort of absent in some kids on bikes things because you as a player are focusing on the horror or the mystery. And that's what you want to overcome. And you don't always, uh, full go full kid 
with it. Yeah, you, you don't engage with your inner child. Yeah, you're you're engaging with other factors that are are skewed by the themes of the game. So I was like, well, it would be interesting if there was a role playing game where you're just doing kid shit, and <laughs> it's fun, and there's still conflict, but it's like you don't fight. There's no combat. Like so, in the game mechanics, the showdown with your rivals is done by some kind of competition so like a go-kart race or a baseball game or any any kind of like there's a a explicit winner and loser here um but it's mechanically whatever blah 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 um because that's how kids would settle things especially uh, in those media and like you know disney channel original movies or something like you think of Mm -hmm. brink and it's like, oh, you have the bad kid. And like, we have our friends and our friends are cool. And I like my friends and they're good. Nice to me. Uh, and, you know, how we're going to show them is we're going to beat them at rollerblades or whatever. I want to capture that sort of like, <laughs> not quite innocence because I still, you know, conflict is still present. But just, yeah, going, going full kid shit. So, but my, my issue with that is I don't make... I don't like to make goofy stuff. I don't yeah. want to be associated as like a goofy game maker, especially when a lot of the games that I work really hard on and I, I like put full heart into are either like deliberately kind of sad or inspired by like darker metal kind of shit right so like yeah they're, fu- they're fucked up <laughs> like i we, they're, I joked they're about fucked last, dude on the last episode that all my <laughs> games have cults and all your games have demons right so like i'm not yeah. making a, kid, a kid's <laughs> cult game you know i might i might now that sounds fun but uh yeah that does really sound where fun. where does little making, rascals making, but with payment <laughs> <laughs> where does making charlie brown the role-playing game fit into my identity as a game designer who makes metal fuck, cult shit. Fucked up. <laughs> fucked games. Just like twisted edgy stuff. Oh god, it's so fucked up. Um yeah, that's a great question. Uh you know, I'm also pretty fucked up myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh but I like to put out very silly games too. Um and I think that you, like, looking at it from other artistic expressions, that you can put your stuff in buckets. Uh, it's it's bucket theory, dude. It's really bucket-based. Um, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to do this for my itch page. I was like, how do I have my big... Uh, I refer to the big games, like uh, Guide and Black Mass, as, like, Opus works. Um, which is very uh, music school way to talk about like uh, what is what is my like the numbered symphonies of work, and so if you look at uh, people like Beethoven, he's got you know the nine big ones, uh, but also many smaller works um, that he did were that were more playful or silly or stupid or dumb or jokes or whatever, and so yeah, how do how do those exist together? How do because you're still there making the stuff. Like, it's, it's still going to be still a Vicenian game. It still game. comes yeah. from that same, like, brain 
uh, activity of seeing a thing that you like and then mechanizing it or diluting it or whatever into a gameable scenario. And I, I think that's uh, most of how I work in general. But again, a lot yeah. of the impetus of that um, process comes from metal music, indie movies, like, so to have it be something like, like PG family friendly, goofy shit, uh, the system, my brain system still works the same way in that it's like evaluating it critically and figuring out how things work. But yeah, I wish there, I wish there was a better way that I could compartmentalize my work and have it feel it have it explicitly be uh i don't know this is because this is another hard part of it because i want to make it i want to release it and i want to have it reach an audience but is that audience mine already people like i think there's a small subsection of the people who care about the shit that i make who are going to say oh he made it so it's going to work in the way that he wants it to and that's enough for me and then what portion of my audience goes like, oh, I like, uh, you know, the metal stuff that they make, but I don't want to play this sort of like goofy kid shit. And, you know, the making stuff for an audience is already kind of like a, a, a minefield of creative compromise and, and like self-identity issues, right? Uh, right, yeah. How how much am I making this game clearly this thing versus the thing I want it to be? And Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely in the weeds of I and I'm going to make the game regardless but do I just kick it to Patreon where there's 20 people who trust me and I probably won't sell copies beyond that because a lot of my Patreon stuff I do I it goes back to the brain trust uh like early weeks where these are people who trust the process and yeah the, you know the game they get they encourage me to just make shit, but that's not really what Kickstarter is. And that's also not how I'm picturing zine quest working, especially if, if it was me coming back after having done a couple of successful Kickstarters, I feel like I owe it to the people who follow me at a certain point to make what they expect me to make. There's also a trap with Kickstarter to always feel like you have to make one bigger than the previous one. That's true, but this was also, yeah. like I mentioned, uh, all self. Like, I would illustrate, I would do the yeah, layout, totally. I'd do the writing. I'd have, like, a $250 goal to cover my print costs, and everything past mm-hmm. that would just be bonus money. Yeah. Uh, and so I really like the idea, and I also explicitly like doing that for a zine quest where uh, it's just, like, more, more zine more, like, yeah. hey, I scrapped this together. There might be... You know, I might spell the word wrong or I drew this with literal pencils, you know, like and scanned it. Yeah, exactly. I I want it to be lower pressure because um, I think that's an important thing that is often missing from zine quest entries, because, again, the dissonance of using Kickstarter (laughs) for extremely high pressure platform for for a medium that's meant to be accessible and distributable right so i wanted to go in with an accessible distributable finished thing and just let people have it or buy it you know have access to it 
Yeah, I mean, obviously you should do it. Like 100%, I think people listening want to play it, or at least own it. And two, you should use a pseudonym, uh, which is like kind of what bands do if they want to try and use something. I sound. thought about that today. Should, yeah, your name should be like Billy Dipshits or something, and that's your new uh, kind of kid shit game designer. It's <laughs> Billy Dipshits. Uh, this is uh, the first Kickstarter by Billy Dipshit, and <laughs> it's going to be fun. I actually thought about pen naming it. But then I... What, what's, I didn't have a name you got a in better mind, pen no. name? <laughs> okay, well, you can have that one for free. It would have just been, like, Dirk. Like, something <laughs> innocuous that you would just immediately... Like, Anderson. You know, like, you would just forget my name. <laughs> <laughs> it's but an Anderson... I don't have the audience. I don't have the reach, you know? Like, I, there is some from ZineQuest, and especially for a $200 project, you'd probably get it anyway. But... How do you promote a work from Dirk Anderson? <laughs> Dirk doesn't yeah, have a Dirk Twitter. Dirk Anderson presents. Yeah. Well, <laughs> then you'll see Adam Vass on Twitter being like, ah, oh, there's a new collaboration between Billy Bit Dipshits and Dirk Anderson uh, coming out <laughs> soon. And I'm actually going to be backer one. And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the way that works for like publishing and bands is that the label understands or the publisher is like, yeah, JK Rowling, you can, uh, peddle your horrible bullshit over here <laughs> under this name yeah i don't know yeah i still haven't made up my mind i still think like i said i'm gonna make the zine i think it's funny uh i think it would be really fun to play the character creation you like draw your character and it's very like peanuts style like is your head a circle or a square <laughs> um and it's just like the character <laughs> creation spread is just like all these like shapes and patterns and like uh there's a section of like oh you have uh like a companion and there's like a little parrot and a little dog and a little snake and like you get to just draw they're all kind of rudimentary so you just draw on a note card even if you can't draw it's like oh my snake is just a little s so like i can handle that because i i yeah. think uh, I think there would just be something innately fun to like having the friends at the table drawing these little silly illustrations and like, here's my dog. And like, either you can't draw and the dog is really funny because the drawing's bad or you can draw yeah. and the dog is cute and like, whatever. It's good all the time. Dog drawings yeah. are always good. <laughs> They're good all the time. <laughs> and there's a function of the game where it's like, you're just hanging out with your friends and it's like low conflict uh fun times and then like a conflict arises and then like i said you sort of resolve that conflict through mm -hmm. non-violent but competitive means um it uses go fish as sort of like a card based resolution system that also is this like metafictional hearkening back to childhood like when was the last time you played go fish you know right exactly so I, I like this sort of um, balance of it brings the fun of role playing as a kid and even to an extreme degree of like you're doing things that kids do with your little drawing and, and playing Go Fish and like it is a fun, interesting game. And I also don't think one exists like a kid focused. It, it's for adults. I guess a kid could play it, but it I don't know. It loses. It, it's uh nostalgia poisoning for sure i'm gamifying yeah, yeah, sure. this nostalgia poison uh but in like what i think it's like is a fun way in it, yeah, yeah 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 absolutely 
like you said, wandering in the woods. Like I remember being a kid and wandering in the woods and finding this like BMX track that the older kids would race bikes. <laughs> and I don't even yeah. know how we got there. And I'm just like, oh, this is super cool. Or even just like <laughs> we, you know, when you see a frog, be like, oh shit, let's go catch this frog, right? Let's like, hang out with the frog. That's the game. <laughs> this frog's my best friend now. Uh, so I know I'm like trying to figure out what it's called still because. I don't have any idea, and I keep thinking of, like, I think Kids Club is sort of my, like, basic default name, and Three Day Weekend was also something I was kicking around, uh, but I think back, uh, like, Peanuts is such a good name, but it didn't mean anything back then, you know, yeah. like, uh, or the John Mulaney special that just came out, the Sack Lunch Bunch, I'm yeah, like, oh, that's yeah. such a perfect name for like a crew of kids um but i feel like i'm not finally tuned enough with whatever uh i would need to be in tune with to come up with a name for a kids club uh a a three-day weekend is extremely good i might that was my like gut one my like first idea but i do keep coming back to it as it's not it's more about the weekend like you're gonna spend three days and the game structure is broken down into three sequential days um oh yeah, yeah you fuck it. Do i think that. that's perfect. i think three day weekend is the winner yeah. and it also i think it opens it up a little bit more because um like peanuts like i said doesn't mean anything i was thinking of like the apple jacks is like the kids club name uh which again doesn't mean anything <laughs> but it just like sounds like a kid would come up with it and think it's super cool uh we're the apple jacks he-man woman haters club (laughs) i was just gonna say that's what it is in little rascals and that's so fucked up and i can't use like i can't come off with anything with that there's no inspiration there at all no way (laughs) little rascals Uh, is kind of fucked up (laughs) i just watched it this week as inspiration and i forgot how many fucked up things happen in it but then there are also like wicked racist right i don't remember there's only like two people of color in the whole movie so in that way it is but i don't remember them being offensive directly in the regards to race it's very misogynist the whole thing is we're boys and we don't like girls and we're not allowed to hang out with girls uh yeah and then also uh the bad the bad orange prez is in it as the rich kid's father like the rich oh. kid who's I and I didn't remember that at all, and he shows up Donald at the go kart race. Is in is he, in the little rascals movie. He fully is. He's the Dude, e, the evil kid's father, which is somehow a pres- joke. You're looking it up. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, he was there. Oh no! Um, oh, Adam, don't put Donald Trump in your game. Oh, absolutely not. There's, uh, there's no grown-ups in my game. No grown-ups allowed. Good. Can you, can we remove Donald Trump from the Little Rascals movie? You could easily, and nothing would change. Because also, looking at- <laughs> when you're introduced to the rich, shitty kid, and he's like courting Darla, and it's also sort of weird because he's clearly older than the other kids, and. Darla's like six years old, but uh, 
he has like a handler who's his driver or something. He's like, come on, Pennyworth, we have to go, whatever the fuck. <laughs> and I just thought that that was his dad until the end of the movie when they show the bad man on his like old flip phone because it's 1994. Oh, and yeah. and I was like, oh, if it was just that guy that they showed earlier, I would like you could edit it now. I'm surprised no one has. And by no one, I mean the, the people who made the movie. I don't think there's like a whole lot of clamoring for like <laughs> a re-edit fix, fix of Little Rascals. <laughs> fix just this part about it too. Hashtag like not the other fix, stuff. Fix the Rascals. Uh, hey, uh, you you tweet it three times in all caps. Fix Little Rascals. Fix Little Rascals. <laughs> fix Little Rascals. Hey, a little bit louder for the people in the back. Oh, so you're not going to fix little rascals, but you're going to let our little fixer rascal us? <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. So, I don't know who needs to hear this, but we can fix little rascals. If <laughs> we start the campaign, we're going to go back and edit it out to take the president out of little rascals. I think while we're at it, we should take out all of the He-Man Woman Hater Club. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad and I'm thinking we reshoot this whole thing um, the dog Petey is one of the best animal actors I've ever seen like super emotive oh. very funny every time <laughs> big fan of Petey Petey can stay okay we got Petey on board <laughs> uh, we're gonna need some new kids it's been uh, 24 six years since Jesus. All right. So while we plan this, uh, you can find this on Kickstarter. Uh, we need about uh, $100,000 to get this off the ground. So, <laughs> yeah, we're over trying to get them to like release the JJ Abrams director cut of Star Wars. And we're going to a more attainable goal of fixing the Little <laughs> Rascals movie. <laughs> we, Rian Johnson needs to direct Little Rascals. <laughs> Rian Johnson, please. Uh, I wrote a spec script for Little Rascals. Uh, Universal, are you listening? God, the Little Rascals now would be so insufferable because they don't have cell phones and be on TikTok. (laughs) It's just just Snow Day, right? (laughs) Shit, it is. You remember Snow Day? Oh, uh, the movie, yeah. I also have a game called Snow Day. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You've um, got, see, you've got cute, good games. But see, like, that was that one goes back. Like that's kind of the source of my dilemma because I still have so many copies of it in my closet. Because oh. one, it's, it's not a role playing game. It was like the first game I made. It was a competitive, like racing thing. And I'm just like, who's the fucking audience of this? I, it's not me, really. And like, it's it's families, and I don't know any, and I don't know how to like get them to know who I am. And then the second thing, you know, like right a year later when I made final judgment, I was like, this is the most me thing I can make. And the only people who are, who know my shit so far know snow day. So it's like so dissonant <laughs> and weird. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I mean, think it's different with games that cost more. Cause like uh, snow day, it has like meeples and dice and tokens and cards and shit. And it cost me way too much money to make, but I was Mm -hmm. full of hubris. And uh, now I don't have any. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm nothing. I'm a collection of memories and thoughts. But zine games don't have that pressure. And especially one that would be self-made. So like, 
yeah, I could just knock it out. And but then I also wonder gonna... my other issue with it, and uh, is if it's a game that I f- am treating in that way that I can just knock it out. Why don't I just put it on Patreon for the thirty people who will appreciate it and like not try to make a big deal out of it? Yeah, and then you could just like do a little pre-order thing for it too. I have I did that with the frequency. I accidentally ordered two hundred copies when I thought I ordered one hundred. <laughs> Dude, it happens. And it happens. Uh, I sold two. I've sold two in the pre-order so far. So, uh, so. I probably won't do that with the Charlie Brown game. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not literally that's on the much better side of misordering that I've heard. Like, fucking people stop making games forever because they fuck up ordering, you know. (laughs) One time, there's a publisher who doubled their art order for a book. Like a giant core book. And it was just thousands of dollars, and they had just doubles of every single piece of art. That wait, like, hey, we need this character. Uh, it's a wizard, um, and then uh, they got two okay. wizards, or it's just like we're pretty we need... deep in the we're yeah we're deep ahead. in the episode, so I think I can just talk about it. Like, so Chaosium for uh, Call of Cthulhu's seventh edition, that which is like uh, I don't know four hundred page book. Um, they accidentally sent out the art order twice, which is just like they have every single piece of art that they want in a big core book for a big fucking game in its seventh edition. They uh, fucked up and ordered, then they just uh, commissioned art twice for everything. <laughs> oh, and they're still open. They're still. <laughs> uh, well, they've changed ownership many times, oh. and I don't know. If, I don't know if you follow that stuff, but yeah, they. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it's a messy story. The history of Chaosium, and yeah, I, I was uh, not aware, but uh, that seems like a messy, a very messy uh, bullet point on the timeline for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you ever want to read a horror story, check out <laughs> horror story. Check out uh, the horror of the on the Orient Express Kickstarter. Thing. It like it bankrupted Chaosium. Jeez. So, yeah. And then Moon Design came in, acquired it, and finished the shipping. No, they they swooped in and helped uh finally ship it out, and then they acquired Chaosium because it was hobbled for like the eighth time in its company history. And anyway, fascinating shit. Uh Trad Publishers, if you want to talk to me, uh like I could talk to you about the time that um the uh, uh, R. Talisorian Games, when they acquired a printing press to in-house print everything, and they uh, it extremely fucked up their whole shit because it's not as simple as pressing OK on a printing <laughs> press and print it prints the book. So, uh, as far as stuff goes, a hundred extra copies is yeah. Shit, I'm gonna kickstart this game for two hundred bucks. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, why not just throw that game on Kickstarter also? And yeah, it might have a second life. Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> a wink, wink. In some sort of connected town of. Anyway, uh, let's take a break. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how long it's been. Like about an hour. Yeah, I guess it's. 
we're close to an ending for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll take a break and I'll just say the status of guide really quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll come, we'll be back in a second. We'll talk about um one of one of these fucking games that you y'all like so fucking much for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Brain Trust Podcast. Uh, we've been working real hard. I mean, continuously, but it just, you know, we hit some milestones recently. Yeah, sometimes it, it's, it's been a, a marathon, and then there are days where you're like, holy crap, like, it feels like you just jumped uh, super far in development Yeah, all of a sudden, and you like, it's like the frog in water, you know, and like, oh shit, we're boiling. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know how but we it's got like, here, but we are here now. And it's like, oh, we've actually been applying constant heat for months, <laughs> and now it's boiling. <laughs> so uh, this week, uh, in the last uh, you know month or so, working on edits to the game and just tightening every single little part, had an awesome play test uh, just the other day where we played through most every procedure of the game, and it was just so extremely fun. I got to say, too, that you, when you explain how you test things, it makes so much more sense to me than the way that I do, which is, like, you play the whole damn game, right? Yeah. But it, if you're just like, hey, I'm having some six friends come over, we're going to just do character creation and, like, maybe the first scene. I'm like, oh, the pressure is so much lower. I could actually get my friends to do that. Instead of being like, hey, I need you to come over for four hours and I'll buy you a pizza, but I also need to record the whole thing and then I need to interview afterwards. Um, I, uh, well, that's really interesting because, like, that's a type of playtesting. Uh, at the this month's Borgade, or rather January's Borgade, uh, the Boston area game designer meetup thing, Michael Dunn O'Connor, uh, who, uh, part of Nerve Dynamics, made the Goblinville zines for last year's. Mm. Um, zine quest and is is part of the boston game designer meetup thing that i run hey you should come and he was talking about uh campaign length playtesting where he rented out a cabin for a long weekend and they would play the game in the morning and then eat lunch and then have feedback in the evening and it's like totally there there are many types of playtesting and i think the real skill is knowing which kind you need and would be good for your game yeah uh and that makes more sense. And I think some of it too comes from like, like my miseducation in board games before role playing, where it's more crucial that every facet of your rules and mechanics is exactly right. Because if a board game doesn't work, it's a failure. But if yeah. a role playing game leaves something up to the players to sort of like have freedom, then that's often a success. And yeah, exactly. I think a lot of the time, yeah, I run full game tests, and one, uh, it's hard to remember, truthfully, anything that happens two hours yeah. ago, if you had a misstep or, or something went wrong, or you put a band-aid on the game rules, 
um, by the end of the game, you kind of don't even remember, and it makes it harder to revise. Uh, but also, yeah, the commitment, the, the thing that you're asking for from someone who's e- either being paid in pizza or just outright doing you a favor um, yeah, is a lot. It's a lot to ask someone. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to start doing uh, testing more like the way that I've learned from you. But yeah, uh, and then you have just been working on uh, some such really rad art. It is just so good. Yeah, the stuff I'm in now, I, I'd sort of been tinkering for a while and got to post a little bit on the Kickstarter of like interior illustration stuff where there were uh, phantoms that I was designing that were being integrated into this like traditional or like um, era artwork and illustrations. So you know, you would just have like a scene of a battle and then there would be this 40 foot tall candle with long ass arms that was like creeping around the battlefield. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's super cool. And I also decided early on that it didn't make sense to me that phantoms would be human shaped because they Mm. exist outside of the, you know, human realm. So they could be any shape and they could be weird as fuck. And so I like really leaned into that and really enjoyed coming up with weird ass phantoms. And there's, a pretty widespread of them in the in illustrations. But uh, in the past two weeks about um, I've been buckling down on more functional graphic work. So the character cards is my current hurdle that is actually going much better than I thought. Cause when we talked the other day and I was just using public domain imagery and some of the licensing stuff for commercial use was a little bit blurry. And I've, I've always erred on the side of uh, better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. And so I was just going to fucking do it. But then after we talked about it, it made more sense to draw them from the source material to match the guide, like art style. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, it's going to take me in like two, three weeks to draw all these people. But I like refined the process and have almost completed in just a few days um, the suite of characters. And there's so yeah. much cool stuff in there and it uses this like restrained palette that's from the packaging and everything that's really nice um and additionally all the simple cards are are basically done uh for like scene prompt subjective rorschach test (laughs) uh card reading and i'm feeling like so good about it uh the cards are probably the next thing that go to print because they have a little bit more of a lead time than the rule books will. And, you know, the lanterns are here. The, the bigger box that contains everything is at the printer. The playmats are at the printer. So like all of a sudden, like I said, uh, you know, we putting the direct heat on, but we're boiling right now and we're, we're really yeah. <laughs> close to having this assembled packaged product. That's not, not just playable. Like it is the game. It's a fucking game. Yeah, I can't wait to get our hot sword uh, when we're done hammering it just into that bucket of water. <laughs> um, but uh, something you mentioned how the phantoms look uh, like um, non-human things and they are these amorphous concepts. In the game, You, uh, when you cast a phantom, you spread, you roll dice across the pentagram and then draw the, um, the outline. And in our playtest last week, the first phantom we summoned was a big abyssal well that was just this like teetering wooden and darkness like thing. 
and oh it's just super cool <laughs> it's just like yeah that's definitely awesome. a big candle it's like I re- <laughs> the kind of thing i really like how yeah like rorschachy a lot of the stuff is because it's gonna let it's gonna inspire players to be super creative and i think even the characters pull that off in some way too like you see a drawing of a person and you're projecting what you want the game to be what role they perform onto this drawing uh obviously the symbols for setting up scenes are very much that way but Mm -hmm. it's a nice balance of having information and getting a little push and but you get to choose any fucking direction you want to go in uh it it feels like kind of the perfect storm to me of having a foundation that's supplied to you by the game and letting you run the game however you choose. And that's always something that I find a little bit difficult to establish a balance in particular game making, um, because you want to both achieve your design goal and, and point a particular style of play, but you also want players to be free and and allow them to be creative and do the things they want to do. And I think guide is accomplishing that. And like, a pretty effective, like (laughs) magnificent way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We, we had a scene during the play test where one of the players, uh, there's these like dare dice that are on each circle of the pentagram and it uh, determines like how many symbols you uh, are. If you use, if you like go for the challenge that the dice represents, you get an extra dice to roll in the lantern. So it's like a, a role-playing challenge and this one was a six and so means you got to use six symbols the scene has to be uh six on the timeline which is as far into the future as your game can go or uh, at some point into the future as one is into the past and in the middle is it's all this like linear timeline stuff and it's also how many characters are in the scene and the player she established a giant wake scene um that had everyone every one of the characters assembled and it was this huge like big shakespearean dramatic thing and it was just beautiful it was so cool i was like wow the game is doing this right now i've never seen this in a role-playing game (laughs) that's wild i i can't wait it's awesome yeah anyway uh hope to have some kind of text uh to show i just uh, i'm kind of protective of it because i've just been working on it for so long but I'm going to get Adam's eyes on it again uh, later this weekend and uh, the weekend before this. Maybe when this comes out, it'll be ready for people to look at. Yeah, let's try to say, if you're listening to this, you'll probably be able to read some functional text. Pressure's on for Will. I'll also Um, share some of the artwork because I am doing the same thing where I'm like, well, it's not done yet, so I don't know. Uh, But any sort of substantial changes will be for forgivable ones and yeah the insubstantial changes you won't notice between what i show you tomorrow and uh what goes to print so i'm gonna show off some stuff they're just not final you know um awesome this has been another episode actually it has been another episode the brain trust podcast quite has it's extremely been. I'm looking at my time. Again, we had a, basically a half-hour discussion of the next three years of our lives <laughs> in the middle of this fucking episode. Um, so, yeah, just uh, big secrets. Uh, this is actually the legacy, and you'll be able to plug in what happens when you unlock the next pack. <laughs>
Awesome. Hell yeah. Uh, Cobweb's still going strong. I'm actually pretty confident that if you're hearing this, you already know. <laughs> the, the, the real team has already like come through so strong. So uh, if you haven't, for whatever reason, it's tinyurl.com slash cobwebs kickstarter uh, to check out that game. We're, we're funded now, and I'm just trying to come up with some more cool shit to add to make everybody even more juiced. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at WC Game Co, where I'll probably soon reveal my ZineQuest secrets and uh, just otherwise have gaming. <laughs> uh, your have destination gaming. for gaming. <laughs> World Champ Game Co, your destination for gaming. Uh, I've heard he made some fucked up games. Uh, I'm Will <laughs> from Will.com. Uh, I cover the latest in Will news, Will events, and Will apparel. Uh, I'll be in a friggin' uh, you can find me on Indeed.com looking for a new job. Got a job you think I'd be good for? Why don't you just let me know, okay? Um, yeah, uh, right, Will.com. Also, you can find me, uh, just telling anyone who'll listen to turn off Kickstarter notifications and to find a big video game to play while you do your Kickstarter. But, uh, dang, I didn't talk about super Mario Odyssey at all. It's a good game, but that's all for now. You'll still be running the Kickstarter by the next time. And I'll still be playing Mario for sure. Yeah. So we can talk about that. Um, and yeah, uh, for the brain trust, uh, brain emoji, handshake emoji. Oh, there's some new emojis added to the emoji keyboard. <laughs> we have what so, we need. How about we do trans flag emoji and Italian... Uh, <laughs> what's this called? Ex- chef's, oh, chef's kiss, kiss emoji. Yeah. There's also uh, the extinct dodo bird emoji, and I'm so perplexed by it. Oh, there's also non-binary Santa Claus. So, okay, we'll do those four. Um, trans flag emoji... <laughs> uh, Chef's Kiss, Dodo Bird, um, Non-Barinary Santa Claus. Hold on. Uh, when you type, it sounds like someone pretending to type. <laughs> <laughs> Like a fucking Muppet using a computer. Dude, thank you. <laughs> um, that's really nice that you would say that I'm like a fucking Muppet. <laughs> that's really good. I'm sorry, I had another idea. Can't stop.